welcome to The Joy of Horror, Episode 6, on this lovely first Friday of December. Hi, my little pumpkin seeds. I hope you're doing okay. And I also hope you're ready for a seasonal holiday creature that I had honestly never heard about until I decided to look more into some wintry topics for this month. So I'm really hoping you haven't heard about it either and you get to enjoy this fun ride with me. But speaking of topics, this is actually the first time I've chosen four ahead of time, so I really hope you like the next three I have picked out. I'm really excited about researching them, to be honest. Either way, today we are going to discuss a lesser-known holiday creature, or creatures, that have various tellings from Southeastern Europe and Anatolia. They're just beings that enjoy a good time and happen to have really, really bad attention spans. Now, they're considered goblins, and they're called Calicanzoros, or Calicanzori, if you want to do the plural version. Now, just to verify real quick, I'm going to refer to the time these creatures are in the human world as, quote, the 12 days of Christmas. But I am very much aware that this is the Christianization of Yule, a pagan holiday. Which, this year, Yule is between December 21st and January 1st, if anyone is interested out there. But since most understand the terms Christmas or Days of Christmas more than Yule or Yuletide, I am going to go ahead and go with it. Plus, with most of my research, they referred to the times as Christmas or Days of Christmas, etc., etc. And at large, I think more people will understand those terms than Yule or Yuletide. So I did want to apologize to anyone of pagan belief out there that might be offended. I really do apologize as not my intention at all. Um, But I did want to at least state that that way all of you out there are aware that this was usually Yule, not Christmas. This is pre-Christian. Either way. Okay, so with that being said, I am actually itching to start. So let's go ahead and jump into these holiday goblies. We're going to start in Greece since that's where the main version of the Kalakanzori is actually known. Come with me as we travel underground and to something called the World Tree. For those who don't know, it's believed to be the tree kind of holding the world up. If it goes, we all go. Now, if you ever decided to go visit the base of this tree, you might run into our friends there. They just love hanging out, you know, sipping wine, being jolly, having a nice little picnic, and just waiting for the holiday season to begin. (laughs) Which, which of course, I'm dumbly kidding. Um, If that was the case, we would not be here, right? So, the Calicanzori actually spend all year trying to get this tree to come down. They saw and saw and saw, getting closer to toppling over the world. But alas, Christmas Eve is here. Oh, happy day, they all think. Because, you see, this is the only time of the year they can actually go up to the human world and create mischief of their own. This lasts until it's known as Epiphany on January 6th, where they have to return underground, unfortunately. And, oh no, while they were gone, all their progress from last year was for nothing, and the tree has healed itself. Rude. No worries, though, because, of course, these diligent things just begin work once again. If you're wondering, no, they're not the sharpest tools in the shed, because this is believed to happen every year, and in all these centuries, they have yet to learn that to complete their goal, they just have to miss one single holiday. But who knows? 
I didn't find any occurrences where someone supposedly spoke with them. Maybe they know exactly what they're doing and think, hey guys, so we try and saw down the world tree and if we succeed, great, go team. But if not this year, we'll celebrate all our hard work and have some fun up in the human world and just try again next year. Which is kind of funny to me and makes me think of it as more of like a wholesome thing. Now, before we go any further, like what they'd like to do during the little vacay, we're going to go into the description of the we predominantly male beasts. Or, okay, they're not always seen as we, but we'll get into that. You see, even in Greek legend, the description varies depending on region or the individual telling the tale. One description of the beings is that they have very hairy bodies with horse legs or even boar tusks while being enormous. Another description has them as small, maybe child or preteen size, and smelling awful. Sometimes they're solid black humanoids with long tails that make them look like small demons. But a few other traits that tend to get added or taken away depending are red eyes, a thin long human face, long claws, donkey or goat ears or even legs, monkey arms, (laughs) protruding genitals, elongated tongues that hang out of their mouths, an ape's tail, and extra large heads. Last, some other traits usually associated with the Calicanzori are that they tend to mostly be blind, have a lisp, and really enjoy eating frogs, worms, and various other small animals. So, every creature has to come from somewhere, right? Well, according to legend, to get a new Calicanzoros, you just need to be a child born during the 12 days of Christmas. After that, you just need to reach adulthood, where you'll automatically become one of these creatures every Christmas season and go to help out your fellow goblins with their deeds around the village or town. If you have a baby during the 12 days of Christmas and oppose having the child bent on wreaking havoc on the town, fear not. In some beliefs, you can singe your baby's toenails, which... ouch... Or, the more humane thing, bind them with tresses of garlic or straw, which I'm assuming is a little bit smelly, but a lot less painful than singeing their toenails, really? Which should stop them from becoming one of these creatures later in life. But when I read a few versions of this, it always says, quote, only during the holiday. So how did the original ones that saw the world tree throughout the rest of the year come to be? There's only a few potential answers I could find, one being that the person was born during the 12 days of Christmas, but the priest read the baptism prayers wrong, they died during the 12 days, didn't have a, quote, strong angel to protect them, or they completed suicide during that time. The last possibility was that they believed to be the descendants of the Kabbaloi. I apologize if I pronounced that wrong. But these were companions to the god of wine and a good time himself, Dionysus. Now, real quick, a random fact I wasn't sure where to throw in otherwise is that apparently, according to one legend, if you're born on a Saturday during the holiday or throughout the year, didn't matter. You could apparently see and speak to these goblins, which is kind of neat. Now, majorly, these creatures aren't seen as pure evil or malicious. They're actually seen as more mischievous, impish, none too bright, and potentially more annoying than anything else. Apparently, in the 19th and early 20th century, they were even seen as adorable and amusing, even with their demon-esque or otherwise unattractive looks. 
Now, when they come to the human world between December 24th and January 6th, it would only be during the night. Once the sun rose, they would have to unfortunately seek shelter. But during the night, they'd mostly be known to dance, climb trees, hide in mills, hop from roof to roof, probably breaking tiles along the way, and breaking into your house any way they're able. Now, to get into your house, they'll do whatever it takes. This includes obvious ways, such as through the chimney, a window, or a door, but they are also known to squeeze through keyholes and cracks in the wall. So, better lock up tight and fill in any gaps you come across. Once inside, they tend to be annoying buggers, breaking stuff, stealing food, and pestering or terrorizing you until the sun comes up. Though, at least you have a 50-50 shot in some tellings when it comes to the storage room in your home, whether it be in the basement or on the ground floor. If they got into there and it was nice and clean, they would leave wishing a quote, a thousand goods, which is mostly supposed to bring you happiness and good luck throughout the year. Now, if the place was messy or unkept, it is said they would just make it worse by ripping up clothes, throwing things about, or defiling all the food while cursing the household. Because of this, it was commonplace for housewives and children to tidy up the storage room right before the Christmas holiday. Alright, I know that's all well and dandy, but how do we protect ourselves from these impish little creatures? Well, the most simple way is just to not go out at night. But what about when you're home, you know, trying to sleep or, you know, spend time with the family? Well, the funniest way I found to keep them from coming in is to leave a colander, you know, like the ones that you drink pasta noodles with, or a sieve on your doorstep. It's said they're only able to count to two since three is seen as a holy number and counting to it would cause the Kalangazoros to complete suicide. So instead, they sit there all night attempting to count all the holes, only to have to retreat once the rooster calls out. A few other ways to protect yourself is to mark a black cross above your door, usually using coal on Christmas Eve or burning incense. If the fireplace is your main concern, you could have a fire going throughout the night, burn some very smelly shoes in the fireplace to repel them, or in some areas, they would burn a yule log for the whole 12 days to ward them off. In Western Greece, it's believed that you could appease these goblins by leaving a plate of fried cakes with honey in the fireplace. Which, to be honest, that would appease me too. If you need to go out, a fine way to scare away these creatures is to actually carry a torch with you since they tended to hate or even fear fire. Don't have a torch but believe one is nearby? Duck into someone's home or like maybe a back alley and begin yelling about things burning. It's believed that this can sometimes trick the Kalangazori and they run away in fear. Remember, they're not the brightest creatures. One believed origin for this creature's legend, not the creature itself, the actual legend of the creature, stems from Greek Dionysia, which is believed to become the Roman winter festival of Bacchanalia around 200 BC. During these festivals, people would gather in large groups and basically drink and have a lot, and I mean a lot, of adult fun time. Together. In groups. Yeah, you know the word I'm trying not to say. They tended to wear masks and costumes with bestial appearances while still appearing humanoid. Now, the tradition was brought over from Greece from what's known as the Cult of Dionysus, which was a very secretive group, so not much more is known on this tradition, unfortunately. But let me tell you, the Cult of Dionysus is 
fascinating. And if you get the time, be sure to look into it. And Dionysus in general, to be honest. I don't think he'd fit the mold for the topics covered on this podcast, but I want y'all to learn about the crazy legends and stories surrounding this deity. It is nuts and so much fun. Okay, shimmying away from that, most people and creatures want love, right? Well, according to one source, the Calicanzori are no different. They're known to seduce human females that end up being their wives. I didn't hear if these women were left in the human world or travel underground once the time comes, but I'm going to assume they stay topside and lay on a fainting couch until their husband's returns. Now, now with this coupling, it's common for a baby to come into being. If it's a boy, it's said that the midwife is offered a basket of gold coins, but since girls aren't exactly favored, she, being the baby of course, would end up in a basket of ashes. I couldn't find what happened to the baby afterwards if it was just like, hey, you're going to be in a basket of ashes, enjoy. And then like she's just neglected or I couldn't find anything beyond that, unfortunately. But also it's like they're putting on the midwife like, oh, you you determine what this like the sex of our baby is. So you're the one that gets rewarded or not. Like how silly is that? Regardless, if you go with this telling, then I guess that's one new way Calicanzori are made that I couldn't find prior. To tie up this section, at the end of the 12 days of Christmas, it said a priest would go to all the houses and bless them by splashing holy water all around using bunches of basil. During this time, or at the beginning of the rising sun that day, it's said that the Calicanzori sing a song on their way out that goes... And no, I'm not going to sing it because I cannot sing to save my life. But it goes, quote, Fly, let us fly away. For here comes the fat priest and his holy water and his crook, and he will sprinkle us and so defile us, unquote. Okay, we're going to world hop a little now and see how these creatures are seen in different cultures. I'll say prior that these versions are very much different, but are all commonly considered as connected, so I couldn't resist adding them in. I do apologize for any mispronunciations, though. Most of these names didn't have pronunciation videos or clips online that I could locate, so I'm just going to go ahead and do my best. Please bear with me. We'll start in Albania, where they're actually called a cocoon. Though one person called them the Kakuth, where they spelled it with a T and not a Z in the name. But maybe that's how it's actually pronounced. So I'll say Kakuth from here on out. I hope that's okay, but man, is it embarrassing if I actually said it right the first time. Now, they are considered undead corpses that travel around in January with, quote, deadly breath. So <laughs> I would assume these creatures would take offense to be offering a Tic Tac. It's said that they're weighed down with chains or iron clothing. They're associated with nightmares and death and tend to be a miser's soul that haunts his former home after he had passed on. Apparently only a, quote, brave boy can defeat this creature and as a reward for his bravery and giving this creature eternal peace, he's appointed as the heir. Which I'm assuming the heir to the land of the prior miser, that part was not made clear. In some areas of the country, the Kakuth is seen not as a corpse, but a man with a goat's tail and short legs. The only way one could take down one of these creatures is by strangling it with a noose made of vine, which makes me wonder how did the brave boy defeat the other version? Either way, because both are considered to bring misfortune or mayhem, a man considered bad or evil may be referred to as a Kakuth in this area. 
In Anatolian folklore, they're called Kerakonkolos and tend to be considered a type of boogeyman. Their tellings vary from evil and harmful to just causing a bit of trouble and being generally harmless. In appearance, think the Sasquatch, large with thick fur covering most, if not all, of its body. It's said that they come out during the first 10 days of Zemheri, also known as the, quote, dreadful cold. They'll ask people walking by what seems to be ordinary questions on various corners. It's said if you want to escape unscathed, you must answer each question with the Turkish word for black, kara. Besides hanging on murky corners, they're also known to lure people out into the cold nights by imitating a loved one. If they can't break from the charm or realize too late what's happening, the victim does risk freezing to death. So, of course, even though while just probably playing a prank, not exactly unharmful. In Serbia, funny enough, the 12 days of Christmas used to be known as, quote, unbaptized days and were considered evil days where demons and other malevolent creatures caused more trouble than usual. People tended to try and avoid attracting any attention from these demons during the time and would, of course, try not to venture out after nightfall. The main demons that would come out during this time were called the Kerakanzula. These demons were usually seen as short, heavy-set creatures and very unattractive. Their main habit was jumping on people's backs and demanding to be carried wherever they chose. Usually, this would continue until sunrise, where the creature would let go of the person and scurry away. A more positive and fun turn on this particular demon is that apparently they didn't take too kindly to adulterers. You see, if you committed adultery, the Kerakonzula would wait above the doorframe for you to leave the house, whether your home or your lover's home, even if it was just a brothel, and jump onto your back, sinking their claws in. Usually, they would whack the cheater with a stick or claw up their back, tormenting them and making them run around a nearby forest until the sun rose and they would flee. Of course, this would leave the victim to just collapse. Sometimes it's believed the creatures would come back every night until the person who cheated confessed to their partners. Some believe this is just a cautionary tale to deter you from cheating on your significant other and, of course, to think carefully on your intentions. Last, we travel to Bulgaria, where they're known as Kerakonjul or Kerakonjol. In this country, there's a few descriptions of this creature, one being that they're usually human in shape, but covered in hair and sport a very large head with horns and a tail come from the back end. Sometimes it's that description, just bring it down to only one eye and one leg. In other cases, the creature is known to have a horse head. The main ability they're considered to have is shape-shifting, usually choosing to turn into a dog, sheep, or a man. Like all the others, they're only known to come out at night, and these beings tend to dwell in caves or abandoned buildings, like watermills. In Bulgaria, there's actually a custom called kukuri, which is performed right after the new year to scare away the creature and other evil spirits, without making any actual contact with them. Which, I actually looked up the outfits they wear during these rituals, and it's fascinating. Some of the costumes are so freaking elaborate. Seriously, go to YouTube and type in kukuri. The English spelling is K-U-K-E-R-I and watch a few videos of them performing. I don't care I don't care if you have to pause this episode a sec and go look it up or just do it after the episode, but just please do it. It's actually really neat. 
Now, just one little last bit to tie this up. Originally, this tradition was only done by men, but in some recent times, women have actually been able to join in too. Okay, that's the main dish of information for the creature of the day. So now I'd like to cover a little bit of pop culture that the Kalaganzori has popped up in or were mentioned in. Now, the only show or movie I could locate that have the Kalaganzori featured was on an episode of Grimm called The Grimm Who Stole Christmas, which is season four, episode seven for those who are interested. In books, besides books on folklore, there is the use of calling a character a Kalakanzoros in the book The Immortal by Roger Zelanzi. It's apparently in a teasing way and is done several times throughout the book because the main character was born on Christmas Day. While not about our creature of the day, apparently it's a pretty well-received science fiction novel if you wanted to check it out for yourself. Apparently, the creatures are referred in H.P. Lovecraft's story, The Whisperer in Darkness, by referring to the, quote, Kalakanzori of modern Greece. One last fun fact for our pop culture section and books is in the Greek translation of the Harry Potter books, the goblins at Gringotts Bank are referred to as Kalakanzoros, which I thought was really cool. I didn't know that. I, like, for those who didn't know, I love Harry Potter. All right, movie time. With it being of the Christmas season for some, I figured what better way to start out this month than with a true Christmas classic. It's known as the grandfather of all slashers, though according to some there's still debate about Peeping Tom and a few others actually being the true original. But regardless, today I am going to suggest the 1974 version of Black Christmas. I'm sure you've heard about this movie, or it's two remakes, but in case you haven't, it's about a group of sorority sisters at the beginning of winter break. The house begins receiving anonymous creepy calls, and it escalates from there when the calls become threatening and one of their sisters go missing. Now, I really enjoyed this movie, and I know when most people think about this movie, they think about that attic scene, you know, with the person in the chair. Well, I personally think of the house mother trying to block a poster of two people making a peace sign with their naked bodies from a father that's looking for his daughter. I want this poster so bad it made me laugh. (laughs) So if you know where I can get it, please let me know. If you're interested in checking out this gem, it's available free on a few locations, at least at the time of this recording, like YouTube or Tubi. So go give it a try if you haven't already. You know, put yourself in the holiday mood. Okay, that's it for this week. You know the drill. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TJOH Podcast. And if you haven't already, please, please rate and review me on iTunes. It helps me out so much and it makes my day every time there's a new one on there. At the time of this recording, I have eight and I'm just basically vibrating with happiness. Thank you so much for those who have left a rating or a review. I truly, truly appreciate it. Now, don't worry. You don't have an iTunes account or feel comfortable making an account? That's okay. Totally cool. We can play a game. But iTunes reviewers, you can join in too if you want. No exclusion. It's called Telephone. How you play is if you enjoy this pod, tell a friend and then challenge them to tell a friend and then that friend to tell a friend until we start to slowly take over and love and spooky tales shall rule the world. Thank you. And also, no matter what you celebrate around this time of year, even if you celebrate nothing at all, I hope your month is full of love and happiness and just know that it's okay. Everything will be okay. With that, 
I wish you well, and I hope you have a spooky night.